Welcome to Trinity Dallas. We pray that this message will be a source of encouragement and hope in your life today. Enjoy today's message. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. We have had a, uh, we've had a wonderful time um, pursuing the Lord and being walking together. It's been a real encouragement uh, to walk together. So I want first, before I share, I want to encourage you about next Saturday, because we're going to have free indeed here, and the staff's all involved, and I'm going to tell you, it's really, really something for all of us. You may say, well, I've been through something like that. Well, good to go again. <laughs> if you've never been anything like that, it's important. How many people go to the doctor when you're sick? Anybody in here doesn't go? We'll pray for you. <laughs> and, and most of you, many of you, probably even go for annual checkup. Is that correct? Probably should. Certainly as I get older, I probably need to go for an annual checkup. How many go to a spiritual checkup? See, we need to be doing that just as much as we do anything else. That's what free indeed is, is really a spiritual checkup. And I want to talk a little bit more about it as we go through this morning, but it's really important. It's something that really is for us and uh, will be a blessing for us. So thank you again, Joe, for welcoming us. We, we love being here. My wife, Susan, we've been married 50 years. And we've known, and we've, we've known each other since we were six. That's a long time. We went all the way through grade school, middle school, high school, and college. I got married after college. And this is Ronna Keller back here in the pink. She was our executive administrator of the church while we had the church over 20 years. And now she's got her own business and uh, the consulting business. And then I'm actually a client. Because what I've been doing for the last few years is putting everything into uh, recording messages and manuals and writing books. And we have some of those in, in the foyer. I'll explain to that a little bit more, but she's helping with um, helping me do all of that stuff. So if you have your Bibles, and I know the scripture is going to be on the screen, I want to begin in John 10.10. 10. I believe John 10.10 10 captures the essence of everything that goes on in our lives. And basically, it's real simple. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I've come that you might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. We have here, real clear, not complicated. We have an enemy that is trying to steal. He wants to kill and destroy. And we have Jesus who says, I've come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. I don't believe he's talking about uh, life just going to heaven, a ticket to heaven. I believe he wants us to have life and have abundant life here. Not a problem-free living, because really we live in a world, he says, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. He said, but don't fear, I've overcome the world. So the enemy has been totally, completely defeated, but he still roams about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So we have an enemy, and that enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, it's interesting that Scripture says that order, because if he could kill you, he probably already would have, but he can't. So what he tries to do he steals. He steals our joy. He steals our peace. But you know how he does it? He steals the word. He tries to keep us out of the word. 
He tries to steal the word from us, and we're going to look at that. If you have your Bible, it's just one, usually one page, chapter 8. John 8, verse 31 and 32. And this is the passage that we've based the free indeed seminar off of. Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So the bottom line is, is that if we will spend time in the word of God, it says we're his disciples. Now, the, rea- the reality is that, I know we've been talking about discipleship here. No one will, can make you be a disciple. You have to choose to be a disciple. And we're going to talk about this as we walk along through these scriptures. But it's really important to understand that to be a disciple, you have to abide in the word. Abide means to remain or to stay. It's remain in a position. What? In the word. Uh, casually attending church doesn't work. Uh, every once in a while, listening to something on the internet doesn't work. You know, abiding, remaining means that you have to be in the word. And this is where the battle is because the enemy is going to try to keep you out of the word. Because if you actually do get into the word and the word gets into you, you are his disciple and you're going to know the truth and truth will make you free. And you know what free people do? They free people. You can't help it. When you get free, you just, you, you, that's what happens. You don't, have to, you don't have to do anything. You just have to be. You know, God's not called us to, you know, to do something for him. He's called us to receive what he has so we can be who he's called us to be. So it's real simple. They just said, look, you abide in my word. You're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth and truth to make you free. Now, the next verse is interesting. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? You understand? I bet they want, I bet Jesus, one of those Roman soldiers are doing, you've never been in bondage to anyone? You know, a deceived person doesn't know they're deceived. Because that's the definition of being deceived. I was a deceived person. I grew up in church, went to church, attended church every Sunday. Had no clue about spiritual warfare. If somebody said, are you free? I go, I'm free. I'm free. I'm in church. In bondage. Sitting right there. Every Sunday. And I went to a meeting in August of 1982. And I, I literally got filled with the spirit. Got delivered of some demonic spirits. Realized there was a war going on. Mount the POW deemed there was a war. Yeah. And I got set free because Jesus already won the battle. And um, I realized there was a fight going on, but Jesus already won that battle. The word of God came alive and never been the same since. And that's why we've been working, Joe and I, Nancy and Susan, for these years to try to help people discover the truth that makes you free. Because just like they were sitting there going, we've never been in bondage to anybody. Well, you got to be kidding me. What happened to the, what the Chaldeans and the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Egyptians? Yeah. I mean, hello. Yeah. But, I can, but I can be deceived myself. And sitting in the midst, and I'm, like I said, I attended church. I wasn't, I wasn't not attending church. I was involved. 
goes on to say, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Whoever does, as slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So that's why we do free indeed. Now, my statement is, what happens is that a lot of times, what we want to do is discover truth and expose lies. And so what, we, what free indeed is designed to do is to help us walk through and examine certain areas of our life to see if, we've, if there's something maybe hidden there, something that we've got to you know, allow the enemy to have some kind of access to us that, that we don't need to allow. And I've also discovered that over the years, what happens is that God works at different levels in our lives. For example, I can only handle so much at one time. And, and then all of a sudden, a couple of years come by, and I go back and I go, well, I thought I've already dealt with that. But it's at a different level. So a lot of times what happens is that, you know, I think, well, I've been through that. I've been, I've been through this ministry or I've been through that. I go to church, I'm fine. Well, you may be. But I've discovered that there's levels that God sometimes can only do so much at a certain time. So the more that we know the truth and the more that we apply the truth, the more freedom that we get. And so I just encourage you, come on, come on next uh, Saturday. Invite somebody to come. Be a part of what that is. Listen, let the Holy Spirit show you the various aspects and uh, see and make sure that you are really free. I want to skip down. They, they, the dialogue goes on here. It's worth reading uh, about Jesus and these, these Jews that were challenging him. And verse 41 says, you do the deeds of your father. And they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. And Jesus said, if you were, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you're not, you don't listen to my word. You're not able to listen. You're of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own desires for he is a liar and the father of it. Now, very clear, we have an enemy, and that's what he does. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy, but really what he does is he steals the word first. Now, let me show it to you. Turn, if you will, to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 is Jesus. Uh, this is his account. You can go to Matthew chapter 13, pretty much the same thing. And Jesus is telling parables. The first parable he tells there in Mark chapter 4 is the parable of the sower of the seed. He tells about the sower sows the seed and falls on hard, hard soil, rocky soil, and then soil with weeds and then very good soil. And then when he gets through, in verse 9, he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Verse 10, But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside and all things come in parables, so that seeing they may not see and perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Verse 13 says, and he said to them, do you 
not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Very interesting. So my question to you, number one, is who is Jesus talking to? He's talking to disciples. So what he basically is saying here, he tells a story, he tells a parable. And there's a multitude of people that he's telling this parable to. When he gets through, he comes, he walks, uh, probably went inside, and who followed him were his 12 and a few other disciples. And they say, why do you talk to him in parables? And he says, well, basically, because seeing they don't really see and hearing they don't really hear. Yeah. But he says, but what does he say here? To you has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. What is that? If you want to know, you want to be a disciple, then it becomes clear to you. It's not like God's trying to hide things. You know, it's not like he, you know, you can't have it. You, it's not, it's, this is not a works deal. This is a, are you really interested deal? If you abide in my word, you're my disciples. If you abide in his word and you're his disciples, you will discover the truth and the truth will make you free. I mean, it's just as simple as that. Um, you know, that's what he's trying to get us to understand is that this word is, it's not hiding from us, but the enemy is trying to steal it from us. And so what we've got to recognize is the battle that's going on is the enemy is constantly trying to steal the word. Why? Because what happens, the word causes us to have faith. Now, Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those who come to God must believe that he is God and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So how do you get faith? Well, Romans ten seventeen says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So why? Because the word is alive. Hebrews tells us the word is alive. It's living. It's not black ink on white pages. It's not a novel. It's not a history book, but there's a lot of history in it. But it's alive because Jesus is the word. Literally, his name is the word of God. So the word is alive and the battle over the word is what's really going on. That's what really is happening. So the enemy tries everything possible to get you out of the word. Jesus, when he was confronted in the wilderness, the very first thing he did, the devil comes and said, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And how did Jesus respond? It is written. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from mouth of God. It's like, when I read that the very first time, it's like, oh my goodness, that should be alarms going off to how important the word of God is. If Jesus himself, who is the word, by the way, he responds to the enemy, it is written. And then he says, man does not live by bread alone, but every word proceeds from the mouth of God. Wow, we need to realize how powerful the word is. No wonder the enemy does everything possible to keep us out of the word. Now, I, I did this in the first service. Hold up your hand. Five fingers. Most of you have five fingers. I did actually. We did work in the oil field, and a lot of the oil field workers don't have five fingers. That's how you can tell they worked in the oil field for a long time. But five fingers. This is I want to give you a little to remember. You need to re, to you need to listen to the word. You're listening to the word today. 
You, you need to listen to it. You hear it. The word actually does speak to you, but you need to listen. Next level, you need to read it for yourself. You need to spend time and you'll abide in the word and you'll know the truth, the truth to make the free deal. You need to read the word. Third thing is you need to begin to study the word. There are so many Bible applications. There are so many things for these phones and computers. You can look up the Greek and the Hebrew. You can look up, you know, all kinds of things, historical things. You, yet they're available for not much money. But you really do need both. Once you start hearing, reading, and studying the Word, it, it just it, it continues to grow. The fourth thing is you need to memorize the Word. You need to store it away. Because it protects you, it's able to, you're able to use the word. It is written. You know, when the, the attacks come against your mind and the enemy is trying to steal the word, that's when you need that word stored away so you can use it as your weapon. Uh, Ephesians 6, we'll look at it in a minute, but the one, the one weapon we have is the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, all of the weapons work off of the word. Praise and worship is a weapon. Prayer is a weapon, but it's based upon the Word. From the Word, that's how those work. So anyway, you need to memorize the Word. The fifth thing is you need to meditate on the Word. Now, all of those you need to do, and basically that's abiding in the Word. That's being a disciple of Jesus. So meditation, years ago, before actually we even started the church, Dudley Hall had been a mentor to us and. I'd ask Dudley, you know, Dudley, what's God showing you? And he would say, well, Lord's showing me this. Maybe a passage of scripture or something that he'd been spending time in. And so Joe and I were, we went to Bible studies. I'll tell you, we went to every seminar. If we heard about something, we went to it. And, uh, and then we, we drug, uh, poor Nancy had to get drugged along too. We even met her. But we all went to these meetings. We went to a lot of, lot of things because we were, we were hungry and thirsty and we were chasing after God. And uh, we were abiding in the word. And so a couple of months had passed, I'd talk to Dudley again. I'd say, Dudley, what's the Lord showing you? And he basically shared nearly the, the same thing. Okay. I might go on a couple of months. I'd see him again. I'd say, Dudley, what's God showing you? And he would sort of share the same thing. I thought, maybe the guy's not in the word. I don't know what's going on. Well, I didn't realize what meditation really was. Because what meditation is, that the, the, it's not Eastern meditation where you empty yourself. We're talking about the way a cow will eat grass and then swallow it, goes in the stomach, and then it regurgitates, and then it chews its good. It just keeps chewing on it. That's what meditation is. You just keep chewing on it. And what I didn't realize, Dudley, that's what he was doing. He was examining a passage and looking at it understanding it, looking up all the words. He was thinking about it, memorizing it, working it, because do you remember it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, that of the only begotten son. See, Jesus is the word. So God wants the word to become flesh in each and every one of us. He doesn't want us just to have a head knowledge of information. He wants it to, to allow, it's a transformation that he wants to bring by the word. It changes us. Because again, if we will allow the word to work in us, if we discover the truth that makes us free, I'm telling you, you will make a difference to the people around you. You just will. You don't have to do something. 
You just have to be something. You have to be who the word says you are and it will make a difference in your life. So I just encourage you those five things. The only reason I did your hand deal because you can sort of remember that, that pretty simple. But the reality is that we really do need to spend time in the word. We need to abide or dwell in the word. Okay, turn if you will to John 17. John 17 is Jesus's prayer. Now, uh, we, we call the Lord's Prayer, you know, when it says, pray this way. But actually, the Lord's Prayer is John 17. And in John 17, Jesus is praying to the Father, and he is giving his report. And it's interesting, it's really worth reading, because he's not telling all the miracles and signs and wonders. He is talking about the 12 that he was given and what he did with those 12. Very, very interesting. Not about the things he did, but about the people that he was given. I'm going to begin in verse 14. Now, this is Jesus again. He's praying to Father. He says, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, and just as I'm not of the world either. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. So if you look at Jesus's prayer, he is praying to Father and he's saying, Father, I'm praying for these you gave me. I don't want you to take them out. I want you to keep them from the evil one. I've given them your word, and your word is truth. So right there, you need to understand, again, that's the battle that's going on. The devil is trying to steal the word from each and every one of you. He wants to do everything possible to try to keep you out of spending time in the Bible. And he clearly wants to keep you outside. Don't come into church and don't, don't get involved with people. Because that's, where, that's what God wants for us, is that we would spend time in the Word, spend time with each other, spend time helping others. And so it's clear that Jesus' prayer is for us to be able to hold on to the truth and for Father to keep us from the evil one, that whole deal. Now, turn if you will, I want to finish in, in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul has written to the church at Ephesus, and basically he is finishing up his letter that he has written to them. And verse 10 of chapter 6 says, finally, brethren. So it's real clear he is doing his wrap-up, and he is talking to believers, okay? He says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against, but against principalities and powers and against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of, of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, which will 
which you will be able to extinguish all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation, the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always in all prayer and supplication of the spirit. But the point is, is that this is a very interesting passage. Paul, after all the things he talks about in Ephesians comes to this place and he basically is saying, okay, guys, now look, you need to be strong in the Lord. You need to put on the armor of God. Because why? You're in a battle. Now, let me draw your attention to chapter one of Ephesians, beginning in verse 19. I'm breaking into a prayer that Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. But verse 19 says, and what is the exceeding greatness of, of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come, he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who feels all in all. Very clear what Paul is saying is that the enemy has been completely defeated. Jesus, everything is under his feet and we are his body, therefore it's under our feet. So it's very clear that, that what he's saying here is a fact, is a finished work. But then he comes to chapter six and he says, guys, you need to be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. So if you go back to chapter six, Put on the armor of God so you can stand against the schemes of the enemy. Why? Because the devil still roams about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's still trying to get us to not believe the truth. Yeah. He's still trying to steal the word from us. Because if he can steal the word from us, then he can, steal, he can keep us from walking in truth because the truth makes you free. So that's what the battle is going on here. So he says, you know, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord, the strength and the power of his might. Folks, we fight from victory. We don't fight trying to get victory. He's already won the victory. But we do live when there's conflict. We live in a world, Jesus said in John 16, in this world, you will have tribulation. You're going to have pressure, tension. Why? Because God has put us here actually to represent him. So that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to be disciples who abide in the word, who know the truth. The truth will make us free. The more we abide in the word, the more the truth happens in us, the more we'll affect people around us. It's just that simple. I don't have to go do something for him. I don't have to, I don't have to do anything. I just have to be. I just let the, let the word of God come into my life, embrace it, allow the Holy Spirit to, to cause it to be real in me, and now we'll make a difference wherever I go. It's not because I'm doing something. It's just because of the word works and, and his presence. He says, put on the, the armor of God, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the schemes of the devil. Well, let me just tell you, the armor of God's listed here. The armor of God is Jesus. Put him on. But here's what he says there. There's schemes of the devil. There are, there are the, the mind says the wiles of the devil. Some translate say schemes. That's what free indeed is all about. Because what we will talk about, the, 
we will go through different aspects and examine different things in our life to see if the enemy is trying to work some kind of a scheme to keep us in bondage. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to, to come and be a part of because we'll examine those different areas. And a lot of times, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was even, that was, that was something going on. I, I'm being honest. God usually shows us something and shows me something nearly every time we do it. There's something that is either been hidden or I didn't fully understand or something. And again, if the devil could kill you, he already would have. But, but I'm telling you, he's trying to steal the word and keep us out of the truth because the truth will make us free. So it goes on to say, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against people. And that's one of the schemes of the enemy is try to get us upset with people. Getting us into unforgiveness and getting us upset and, and only dealing with things in one dimension. But we don't battle flesh and blood. We battle spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. You think about it, what we're dealing with in America today, not, not just here, but really on the face of the earth. Think about the cultural wars is going on. Think about all this stuff that's happening in education. What about the political stuff that we're dealing with? There's spiritual forces up there that are trying to manipulate that whole area. If we're oblivious to that, we, have, we just think it's just us, we're going to be in constant conflict with people. But there's a spiritual forces working. There are principalities and powers that are in trying to influence us. And they work in these areas. Uh, for example, there are principalities and stuff that influence the Dallas area. Think about a, a spirit that might be over this, this area. Could it be mammon? Could it be pride? Lone Star State? You know, I'm not saying it is, but more than likely what happens is those spiritual forces will try to influence and cause us to think that way, trying to steal the word so we don't see things correctly. Uh, you think about New Orleans. You think there's a spirit over New Orleans? Yes. Yeah. Spirit of witchcraft and sorcery and divination and violence, all kinds of stuff. That, that influences that area. If you go down there, you'll be, you'll, it's spiritually speaking, you'll begin to go, whoa, what is that? Well, that's not in you. That's an influence that's been going on. We're talking about, a, I don't know where the devil is because he's a created being. He's not every place like God is. But if I were someplace, I'd either be thinking if I were the devil, I'd probably be in Washington, D.C. or New York or someplace like that. But the fact is, is that there's, there are different spirits over different things. San Francisco, a spirit of perversion. Los Angeles. So these major areas will have, you go in those areas and you'll begin to feel that different spirit. Uh, we, we had a place years ago that was outside of town a couple of hours. And if we stayed for a few days, when we came back into Dallas, you get about 20 miles from Dallas and you go, whoa, what is that? And you could feel the spiritual forces that we get pickled because we're living in it. You don't realize what's going on. But the bottom line is that we, there's a war going on. The primary place of that war is trying to steal the word to keep us out of the word, to keep us from going to church, to keep us from being connected, especially being in a small group of believers are going the same direction. Now, last thing I'm just sharing, it says we wrestle we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. 
um, I was played high school football and and in the off season, our coach had been a Golden Gloves boxer. And so when the weather was really, really, really bad, we had to stay inside and he would have us box. And uh, no helmet, no mouthpiece. Listen, just put the gloves on and do three one-a-minute rounds and just see how much blood you could draw. And I didn't do so well with that. I didn't like it. And I mean, after three minute, after three one-minute rounds, I mean, I could hardly lift my hands up because he wanted all you want to do is just swing wildly. And I, you know, I didn't do very well at that. And so one day it was really bad weather again. I thought, oh man, we're going to have box today. Uh, and when we got there, he said, "We're not going to box today. We're going to wrestle." And I went, "Oh yeah." Well, obviously, I'd never wrestled <laughs> because. When I got through with my, my wrestling, I had to crawl out of the ring. I couldn't stand up. I shook for six hours. My body did. Wow. Folks, I'll be honest with you. I don't wrestle against the enemy like that. And you probably don't either. That's hand-to-hand combat. That, that's, that's aggressively resisting the enemy. What God is saying here is that, look, you've got an enemy. He's defeated, but you still have to resist him. And if you don't watch it, he's going to steal the word from you. And when the, what that word does, and that's why the battle is over the word. The first battle is really over the word. Because if he can steal the word from you, you will not know the truth. And there he can deceive you so you can believe a lie and he'll keep you in bondage. That's the reason we do free indeed. Free indeed. So here's two things that we're hoping to happen. We want to discover the truth that makes us free. And we want to expose some lies that we may have believed, maybe about God, maybe about ourselves. But we want to expose lies because lies always lead us into unbelief, which leads us into bondage. That's really what it's designed to do. So I just want to encourage you to come. And last, I just want to encourage you, uh, my work that I've been doing, and y'all have Bible studies here, and you may be doing a Bible study, that's wonderful. But mine's called advancedbiblicalfoundations.org. We have some material out there in the foyer you can look at. But you can do my material in one year doing just one lesson a week. I have a video, I have a manual, and I have a book. And you can watch it, go through it, Listen to it. It's, it's foundational truth that really will make you free. And uh, we've been doing it for years, but I just encourage you to do it. If you don't have a Bible study, you need to have one, and you need to do something. Not trying to sell books, not trying to sell stuff. I just want to have stuff that will help you. And uh, it really is really important. But you know what's even more important than that is that after you've gone through it, get some people together and go through it with them. Now, that's the whole essence of your small group system. And I just encourage you, you need to be connected to others. But you know something? When you lead a group, when you take responsibility for helping others, it'll change you more than it'll change them. And that's what happened to Joe and Nancy and Susan and I years ago. We had no idea that having that meeting in our home would change us. I don't know if it changed any of those other people that were there, but it changed us. Because taking responsibility, and, and I've got to get, we've got to get in the Word. Are we sharing truth, or, we, or what are we doing? And it, it really did, it changed us. So I just want to encourage you. That 
Abide in his word and you'll be his disciple. And you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Amen? Okay, let me pray for you. Father, we love you and bless you and thank you that your truth prevails and we love you and bless you. And I pray that you would give us a hunger and thirst for your word. Now, I just encourage you right now, every one of you, everybody that's watching and everybody that's here, take just a moment and say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know your word. I ask you to cause it to come alive. Invite the Holy Spirit to come into your life and say, I yield to you and I ask you, you're the spirit of truth. Cause the word to come alive and it caused me to have a hunger for the word. Help me to abide in the word. I want to be your disciple. I want to be those disciples that, that you, you reveal your word to me. Father, we are so grateful and thankful that you chose us. You called us for a time such as this. I thank you for the people that are here today and those that are watching. I pray, Lord, that everybody would turn to you wholeheartedly and become a disciple who abides in your word. We love you, Lord, and we bless you. We thank you that you came to set us free. You came to give us life, life abundant. And Lord, we just thank you that you've already defeated the enemy and made a way for us to really know you, to know truth, and to help others discover that also. We love you, we bless you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to dive deeper into today's message, go to trinitydallas.com forward slash sermons to receive your copy of the notes. If today's message encouraged you, do someone else a favor and share it with them. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. A special shout out to all those who partner with us through their giving. Your contributions have enabled us to touch the lives of people in our community, as well as around the globe. Visit us at trinitydallas.com forward slash give to partner with what God is doing through Trinity Dallas.